No, yeah, yeah, uh, I I agree with that. So, it's it's been interesting. Uh, there's, I mean, some parents, you know, have concerns, of, like most every other parent does, and uh, you try to address them. And you know, after the after we use equipment, we try to wipe it down with sanitizer and stuff like that. But it's a little bit different than what it normally has been in years past. But for the most part, it's been it's been pretty normal. So that's good. We start our fall season actually in about three weeks from, yeah, actually three weeks from yesterday. So. It's a lot of fun. Uh, all the kids are. We got a lot of good kids. We uh, this year, so I'm pretty excited about it. But we did some recruiting and stuff like that. So we're much. We're not in a, a rec league. It's yeah. much. It's, it's yeah. I know. This is much more of a. Uh, it's it's much more of a competitive league. So like I have full control over the roster. I can bring on anybody I want and kick anybody off anybody anytime I want at any time. So yeah, it's it's like I'm playing Madden franchise mode over here. So I'm the, I'm the head coach. I'm the skipper. So hey, you know, I make the hirings and the firings. Just imagining you like having them run like three cones and <laughs> timing forties and like bat velocity. Yeah, extra velocity and all this. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's the sport the sport I grew up playing from kindergarten through high school. So, uh, I mean, I absolutely love baseball. Now, I mean, now in terms of like if I had a choice to like watch or like consume that content, it's definitely football all day all uh, over over baseball. But playing it and you know coaching it and stuff like that's still been a lot of fun, and I, I love it. So, uh, like I said, that's all the sport I played growing up. So it's been cool. Like I didn't I honestly think my son was actually going to get into it because uh, there for a while, so I, because he really wasn't into sports until about six five or six and it's like all of a sudden one day he comes home and like asking about football and i'm like so i started talking about it and like he watched every game since and then he came home kind of the same thing he was at a buddy's house it was like january too and he was like hey i played baseball today over my buddy's house i'm like it was like 30 degrees outside i'm like okay did you, did you like he's like yeah can i play baseball this year and i'm like sure so we signed him up and the coach for the the two coaches for that team were fucking horrible like just like straight horrible they literally all they did every practice was just uh hit them uh, hit grounders to the infielders and that was it didn't work on anything else nothing they would go to the batting cages every once in a while i'm like this is not how a team is ran whatsoever so by the fall the head coaches had like a, a falling out and they kind of kept getting into it and stuff like that and i was like a base coach or whatever just kind of like a helper uh, assistant coach it just it just kept going downhill eventually they kicked both the coaches out the parents did because the parents were like either we're walking or you guys are leaving and we want kevin to be the head coach and so I was like, all right, if you guys want, uh, sure, I guess I'll do it. And so I did it, and I've I've been the coach since. So that's all. my uh, my kid's gonna be two in November, and we just got him like one of those like plastic, you know, what I mean, those massive bad kind of like t ball set things, and we actually just set it up in the uh, in the living room. And it's been like kind of cool to like see him actually be able to like grab a bat because like at first, whenever we got it, he would just like take one hand and just like. <laughs> and Flintstone swing it or you would put the put the ball on top of the tee he would just come over and smack it off with his hand but it's uh it's been kind of cool to see him actually like we'll put the ball up there and he'll hold it and he'll actually like swing at it we'll count down from three and shit so that's that's been a lot of fun yeah it goes by really fast too so enjoy the hell out because like it's crazy because i'm thinking about him i'm like man we're in 10 you like you know four years from now he's going to be like you know where you're getting close to the middle school age and where you're talking about you know middle some middle schools who have baseball teams like that so things get a little bit different and everything else on how and when and how they play and everything else so i just say try to enjoy the hell out of it while you can because it goes by so fast yeah it's, it's it's something i'm trying to do more of especially with like all the covid stuff and i've just noticed that i started doing like Kind of like, oh, I can't wait until he can do this. Can't wait till he can do that. Now I'm just like, 
holy shit, he's going to be two already. Like, I should probably... <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> I should just probably slow down. This away, yeah. I'm telling you, because, like, my, my, like I said, my son turns 10 in next May, and I'm like, man... And because yeah, that's what everybody does. You're like, man, I can't wait till he can walk, you know. So you know, you have to carry him everywhere. Oh, I can't wait till he can do this. I can't wait till he can get up and get his own food, or you know, whatever, like dumb shit, right? But then you look back at it, and you're like, yeah, I, I, you know, now it's 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 so far past. Like it's like, man, it sucks. Like you know, you, all those all those it goes by so fast. And it's like I said, like he's already halfway to being a you know out of the, you know going to college, and so I trying to enjoy it more on you know I don't know if I've said this on the pod or not, but I do have another one coming in the next month or so. So um, yeah. Yeah, this one I'm going to try to enjoy, you know, try to slow it down a little bit more and just kind of enjoy it instead of, you know, hoping for you know, the future event. Yeah, I told my wife, I don't know about number two. I, th- I think I'm think I'm good with one. <laughs> good luck. Good luck with that. <laughs> how old are you? 32. Oh, see, I thought you were always a lot. I don't think I've ever asked how old you are. Yeah, I thought you were a lot younger. Oh, it's because I look like I'm 14. That's true. Yeah, I would have I, I thought you were like 26, 27. I wish. So you're only a couple years younger than me. How old are you? 35 we're just finding out a bunch of stuff about it i know <laughs> we've been podcasting and writing together for two years now we're just like oh wait <laughs> how are you what's uh what, what's your favorite color all right so that, that, that'll that'll wrap up our our little family baseball hour here we, we do want to get into some news and notes there is one thing that we would kind of uh we would be remiss if we did not we did not touch upon we know that everyone's been talking about the Bobby Sylvester, Fantasy Pros, like in mess. I, I guess is the the lightest way of putting it. Um, so we it would we would be doing a an injustice. Like we we know that everyone's kind of talked about it, but we we also feel like we need to say our piece on the whole thing as well. So Kev, I I know you had uh, had something you wanted to talk about, so I'll, I'll let you take this one. Yeah, I mean, just I, I guess the backstory on it too is that people don't know what, what we're talking about. So basically, I, if you're familiar with Bobby Sylvester, he's a podcaster for Fantasy Pros. He apparently was sliding into females' DMs and saying some pretty nasty shit to them. Um, it, ha- it when it first came out, it was a video he recorded of himself behind a Fantasy Pros backdrop. At that, like you're you're just a moron for doing it anyways, and then you do it in front of a Fantasy Pros, you know, your backdrop and said some dumb shit to her and that kind of came out and i knew at that moment i was like there's no way this is the only time he's ever done something like this and sure enough he had he had reached out to another female back in february and said some stuff some really nasty stuff i'm not going to repeat it but so just shit you shouldn't be saying to any female whatsoever so that's what kind of what everything exploded. I mean, it got so big. I mean, it wasn't just a Twitter thing. It was, uh, you know, it was on Fantasy Reddit. It was on Facebook. Like, I mean, it, it blew up everywhere. Of course, he he gave out the canned apology bullshit response of, you know, of oh, I'm going to do better. I need to learn. Like, no, motherfucker, you're a piece of shit. Like, I'm sorry. You know, and I, like I listened to like the fantasy pros because I was curious if they were going to address it in their news podcast, and they did. And you know, Mike, you know, Tagler, I, like Tagler, I think he's a really nice guy. Like I, I can't really say anything bad about him, but I felt like he kind of let him off the hook a little bit with his, oh, he's like a little brother to me. I didn't know this, you know, blah blah blah. I'm like, no, fuck that. Like you know, he's no little brother to you. He's a fucking piece of shit. Like you don't do that to females. I've seen it one too many times in the fantasy community where uh, this happens to females. People think that it's okay. 
And most of the time, the females don't say anything about it. They just let it go, and it's not okay. Like, we should have more females in this industry, not because just because they're females, but because they're they're capable of doing the same things we do, and I've seen it. Like, I've seen it come through with Jen, who, yep. you know, Jen Smith, who used to work for, or who used to write for TFA, and, you know, is taking a little bit of a leave of absence or whatever. She's excellent, excellent, hardworking, researches her ass off, you know, jumps on the pod. You know, we have great chemistry together when we're on the pod, does excellent work. Samantha Holt, who's now with Fantasy Focus, she came through TFA. Another person who's really hardworking, bust her ass. You have Taylor Cannavari, who now is Osmo, who came through TFA, who is super witty. I wish I could be half as witty as she is on Twitter. And excellent, excellent analyst. You have you know, other people. Um, yeah, Katie, uh, who also came through TFA, who's now doing some other stuff. She's an excellent, I mean, does excellent work. Just other people, Lauren Carpenter and, you know, the ball blast, uh, you know, girls that, that, that have their own website and their own podcast that do their thing. And uh, Liz Loza. And I mean, there's, the list goes on. There's, there's so many talented females in the space that I, I know that dudes do this or they slide in their DMs and they say this nasty shit to them or they try to flirt and all stuff. Like, this isn't fucking fantasy Twitter fantasy tinder bro like don't be doing that shit like it's stupid like if you want to talk fantasy you want to talk about whatever like what we do fine do that but if you wouldn't want someone to do it to your sister or your daughter or your mother then don't do it to them and then that's what irritates me because they they shouldn't have to deal with this bullshit that that we i don't have to deal with that like if somebody did it to me i'd tell them to get the fuck off you know fuck you and like we'd move on right but to to a female like a lot of times they're not going to say anything they're just going to move on and they'll probably block you or or not or not accept it whatever but that shouldn't be how it is it shouldn't happen ever like like i said like if you wouldn't do it to your mom your sister your daughter your wife then you shouldn't do it to anybody You you shouldn't do it to any other female they don't deserve it if you do you're a piece of shit in my book i don't care i don't care if people unfollow me i don't care if people like or if they think that what i'm saying is over the line i don't care because it's there's a certain line that you cross and don't. I try to be very smart with my words when it comes to females on Twitter. Like even like joking about certain you know some stuff I won't do, just because I feel like that's crossing a line. I feel like that's how it should be for everybody. They should be able to come on here, have, you know, say their takes and you know do whatever they want to do. And you know we can criticize them. We can you know like we would any other fantasy analysts and stuff like that. Like they're you know they're just they're just our equal we're, we're not any better they're not any better than us and that's how it should be and so i don't know i it just really fucking pissed me off when i saw it when especially when he sent out his apology and of course i quote tweeted it and you know basically told him to go fuck himself um because nobody i don't give a shit about your stupid apology like it it was completely bullshit he he only apologized because he got exposed that was it so yeah that, that that's that's kind of how i feel about it yeah man I, I i totally agree and like you were you were touching on it's a, it's a shame that they have to be not have to be, but they are subjected to that far too often. And then the other thing, you know, when they're the, you know, like, like you said, like the ball blast girls who are just putting out content seems like every single hour, always super active on Twitter. And then, you know, inevitably you have someone in there like, Oh, shut up, stick to stick to cooking. Like, dude, shut the fuck. Like, I I swear to God, there are like the, the, all the females you just rattled off. There are a lot of them I would rather sit down and talk fantasy football over over some of the douchers in my home leagues who think they know what they're talking about, but they like they wouldn't be able to go toe to toe with Lauren or Sam or you know what I mean Katie any anyone like that. Like I would put those girls that we've been lucky enough to have on the pod and interact with and you know be able be able to talk to on more than one occasion up against some of, you know, some of the guys in my, in my home league. So if, if you feel like you have to 
oh, she's a female and she's here. So, <laughs> I mean, obviously you want me, right? Like, you're a douche. Just back the fuck off. Shut up. And if you feel like you need to be like, well, I'm a man and only men play football. So only men can talk about football. You're an insecure little bitch. Nailed it. That's exactly, that's exactly how I feel. It's 100% the truth. So, uh, well, two things on that, really. One is uh, August 31st, we are going to have a ladies' night here. And we are, so far, I know for sure we're going to have Lauren Carpenter, who we've mentioned. And I believe Sam Holt's going to come on. I tried to get Jen. She's going to be on vacation. But we're going to see who else we can get. We're going to have a little ladies' night at the TFA. And uh, because we should be supporting them. And uh, because they put out good work. Not because they're female, but because they right. crush the, the content game. Yes. So we're going to have them on. And also, if you are a female that listens to this, because like I said, we should have more female analysts because there, there should be. And they shouldn't be afraid of, of being um, talked to like that or treated like that. Uh, our door is always open. So you want to you know reach out to me on Twitter at FantasyRat13 or at FF underscore authority. Or you can reach out to Cody at or FF, And we will bring you right in and uh you know let, let, let's get some more females in this game because uh there should be and there, there's there's no space for that so i really just i thought there's something that we needed to say we it should be it should be said we shouldn't be afraid to say it because you know you want to be politically correct and everything else to not piss people off and if we did i didn't want you to listen to the podcast anyways because you know i i, I don't got i don't got room for all those people so you want to subscribe because of what we said i don't care like bye bye felicia yeah, absolutely. If if that's something that's going to make you unsubscribe or unfollow, like we probably like you're doing us a favor. We probably didn't give a shit about you anyway. To be completely honest, yeah. and if you are one of those people, at least out yourself. Don't be a little slime bag and just like weasel your way out. Let it be known. If if you're going to be a scumbag, just let it be known. Say hey, I like I didn't like what you guys said, so I unsubscribed. Good. And, you know, uh, not to segue from that, but uh, speaking of another scumbag, Darius Geis, who uh, now is out of the league, uh, because apparently he is, uh, was it uh, a felony strangulation charge, I believe is what it is? Yeah, I, I think there was there were like three, like three different charges, like maybe there were four charges, three with something else, but there was a felony strangulation charge. Yeah. Scumbag. So, yeah. I mean, of course, we need to wait until all the news comes out and figure out exactly what happened. But uh, as of right now, it's not looking good. He's obviously already, he was cut immediately, which of course, with when you're the Redskins or excuse me, the Washington Football Team, uh, you know, with everything else that's gone on, there was no chance that they were going to let that happen for very long. So Darius Guys has been cut. He is gone, and Adrian Peterson, the ageless wonder, continues to to rise up the rankings. I guess so. Basically, you, it comes down to this. Also, if you want more in depth on this, because we're not going to spend a ton of time on Darius Guys and the situation here in Washington, but we do have a video out on our YouTube channel. Um, I think it was, what, over the weekend? So it's about a four-minute video. It goes in-depth, kind of talks through all this more in-depth. So if you want to check that out, go check out the YouTube channel. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. But so you basically have Adrian Peterson, which I think that he's probably going to be the lead back, I think most people would understand. But I don't think it's going to be your typical lead back. I think somebody that probably just gets the early down work, goal line work, stuff like that. And then you're going to have Bryce Love, who came from Stanford. He did not play last year. And then we have Antonio Gibson, who was drafted this year, who is best comparable to Joe Mixon. However, he does not have the touches and, and the collegiate career that Joe Mixon does. He is an explosive athlete, super efficient. I think he what, what was it like broke 33 tackles or something like that or, or I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. I don't have it pulled up but um, crazy efficient. Uh, was used mostly as a wide receiver. Uh, only had 33 career touches I believe. And so, uh, so anyways 
where are you at on this situation? Like, I, 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 I kind of have an idea where you're going to go with this, but do you, I know you're uh, Antonio Gibson truther and you love Antonio Gibson. I do too. However, for this one year for redraft, would you rather have Bryce Love? Do you think that he's somebody, especially that even though he was hurt last year, he's been around the program, he's seen everything, you know, he's, he's kind of been there and knows, I guess a little bit, obviously we have a new uh, head coach with Ron Rivera, so that's a little bit different. So it's not like, um, you know, the previous coaching staff is still there, but he has been in the building obviously Antonio Gibson is, is the incumbent who is obviously pretty raw at this point because hasn't had a lot of opportunity but where do you fall on this especially for for like you I know you said for this year but for dynasty uh I think I had him as RB7 right behind Vaughn uh I if he definitely is raw it, there's absolutely a projection if you're going to try like I, I don't foresee him sliding into a workhorse role especially right off the bat like there's still so much he has to learn like you said he had 33 carries at memphis yeah i think it was like 38 catches he was involved in the in the kick return game and on special teams uh but he like he is just dripping with upside he has a size he has a speed like you said best comparable to joe mixon like he has a, i think he ran a sub 4-4 i think he ran like a 4-3-9 at like 228 230 pounds so if he can put that all together and he can show rivera and that coaching staff because like he's, this is a brand new coaching staff so they're not going in there with ties to anybody like they're not going in there with, well, you know, we should get this guy touches, this guy touches. I do think that, I mean, he, even Peyton Barber, I think he's going to be involved to some extent. Uh, I think in terms of touches and carries, it wouldn't surprise me if Adrian Peterson just defies all odds again and ends up leading this team in, in carries for for this year. So if you're going to go with someone, I, I, I'm, I probably should have looked up and seen where he is going in ADP currently. Uh, Antonio Gibson, because I'm sure he's going to be soaring up draft boards. Well, last I looked, I think he's still undrafted. I don't think he's been on a lot of people's um, a lot of people's radar. I, it's going to change over the next week. It's certainly going to change dramatically. It might have changed already, but I know before this he wasn't. Adrian Peterson really wasn't on many people's radars either, obviously, for the sake of because oh. Darius Guys was there. Antonio Gibson is currently going at 901, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. Woo! <laughs> Coming in hot. That, uh, so yeah, it has changed yeah because uh, he was going undrafted if he was being drafted it was like the 14th 15th round prior to this so. that did not take long i think that is way too high uh i AP like antonio gibson ap is going at 12 11 that is insane so the guy who's going to lead the backfield likely in touches is actually going still in the 12th round and antonio gibson now is going in the ninth I like I like Antonio Gibson a lot. Like I said, like I think you're right. I think he has massive upside, but Adrian Peterson is more than likely going to lead this backfield in touches. I think that Antonio Gibson can certainly carve out an impressive role as a pass catcher, and I think yeah. so. Going, I think I would feel more comfortable if I could get him in like the eleventh round, tenth, eleventh round. I think he should be going around where Alexander Madison and Tony Pollard and Duke Johnson and all those guys should go. Because I do think that he can certainly carve out a role. Because we know David, or we know Adrian Peterson isn't going to be the pass catcher here whatsoever. And I think there's some credence to say that well, Ron Rivera knows how to use this. He he just saw Christian McCaffrey and how what they were able to do. Not that Antonio Gibson is Christian McCaffrey because certainly they're not. I mean, Christian McCaffrey was a well-established, you know, running back coming out of of college. Whereas obviously. Uh, 
Antonio Gibson's not, but so I do think we'll get some correction here. I think that is people overvaluing it. The hype came out. Everybody's hyping Antonio Gibson. People start drafting when mock drafts much earlier. I think it'll crack itself back out and we'll probably see Adrian Peterson move up to where probably, like I said, I think probably eighth, ninth round, probably where Antonio Gibson's going now. And then we'll probably see Antonio Gibson fall back a little bit. But I know there's some people that are touting um, love. Uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think the only way that he would get run. I think it would have to take uh, Adrian Peterson getting hurt, and then I think then that could be a possibility to where he still uh, then then he could become a thing. But Peyton Barber's still there as well. I don't know why Peyton, Peyton Barber's terrible, but regardless of that, I, I think Antonio Gibson's a fine guy if you can get in the eleventh, twelfth round, and that's where I would want to take him. And, and if he's going any sort of if he's going in the ninth round, I'm probably out on that unless we get unless we get all this indication that they're going to go with Antonio Gibson and he's going to get much more opportunities than what we think. Then I would that I would be much more interested. Yeah, I, th- I think it's worth noting too. You were talking about his pass catching role. Not only is Adrian Peterson not the uh, not the pass catcher, nor has he been really throughout his career at all, but that pass catching depth chart for Washington is. Uh, pretty pretty slim so the the only the only thing that concerns me is like i hope they don't put him into a gadgety kind of role because i really do believe that he could be maybe not even necessary what's so special about hero bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Necessarily a workhorse back, but someone who's more than capable of handling, obviously with his size, but I'm just talking from a from a skill standpoint. Someone you can hand the ball off 10 times a game plus get another four or five targets. You know what I mean? And, and I, I think with his athleticism and his skill set, he'd be more than capable enough to, to turn those into uh, efficient yards and efficient touches. So that's kind of where I'm sitting with Antonio Gibson. Like I'm, I'm surprised that, that he jumped up into the ninth. Like he's going ahead of – so right now he is tied with Emmanuel Sanders at 901. 902 is Alexander Madison. Then you have Josh Allen, Carrion Johnson, C.D. Lamb. Uh, San Francisco's defense coming in hot and heavy at 906. Zach Moss, Carson Wentz, Keyshawn Vaughn, Darius Slayton, uh, Henry Ruggs, and then uh, jumps to the 10th round after that. So that's kind of in the uh, in the area that he is going. The, the running back that is going before him is Latavius Murray at 811. So that kind of gives you an idea of the range of where Antonio Gibson has jumped up to. Yeah, that's jumped the shark big time. So yeah, so I think that's pretty much. Uh, I think we're, I think we're pretty much in agreement on that. And then the last piece of news we had was Lamar Miller signed with the Patriots today on a one-year deal. I think this says more about Sony Michelle and his health than it does anything. You know, of all running backs, you can bring in, you bring in Lamar Miller. But hey, I mean, I guess they impressed him enough. He's obviously somebody that that's capable of doing doing both. He he is a capable pass catcher. He is coming off an ACL injury that he suffered last year. It says he's completely healthy, so that is something that should be monitored. But Sonny Michelle, I think we can all, in terms of purposes, pretty much say that he was a bust, especially as a first round pick uh, for New England. The guy just really hasn't been good. He's never really been able to stay healthy. Um, 
I think he had the one year with a little bit of production, but overall, like he hasn't really been very good and not somebody that uh, I'm overly excited about. So uh, he was already going like eighth round, something like that. Now with Lamar Miller being signed, like that doesn't, that doesn't excite me either in this offense. So I think I would still probably prefer James White a little bit um, as if I was going to take a New England running back, but I'm pretty much out on the, the entire New England backfield. Yeah, it's uh, it's gross. At per per usual, the New England backfield is something you just crumble up your papers and just throw them in the air because that's uh, although although I have been a I've been a Lamar Miller fanboy for a while, so like I, I didn't even know this news went down until like five minutes before we started recording. Kev told me, and I was just like, oh, oh really? Well, Lamar's Lamar's back in town. But I, I, who who knows? I mean that that depth chart was was ugly, so it makes sense that they would bring in somebody like Lamar Miller. Obviously, Sony Michelle had all the opportunity in the world last year and uh, did not do much to say the least. So I, I I think this signing makes makes sense for them. And how how did they miss the opportunity to bring in Jeremy Hill back? Because Jeremy Hill was cut from Oakland or from Las Vegas this past week after. Um, Devontae Booker, you know, they could have re-signed the Super Bowl champion. I mean, he won a Super Bowl with New England, right? The year they won the Super Bowl. Now, he got hurt in, like, week one, but he was on the roster, and he's a Super Bowl champion. They could have brought him back, had a victory tour, you know. So is life. So is life. They brought in Lamar Miller. That's, I guess, what you got to need to know about Jeremy Hill at this point of his career. But, anyways, uh, I think I think that's that. Is there any other news? I think that's pretty much it. It's nice, though, right now. We're starting to start to get some trickle, trickle, trickle from the training camp starting to get some news getting a little bit more news about what's happening so hopefully it continues because we're not going to get a preseason and now it sounds like there's no going to be no college football which now the nfl is talking about playing games friday saturday and sunday the nfl is going to maximize the shit out of this if they're just sitting there waiting let's just rubbing their hands together like yes no college football let there be no college football because we are going to take this bitch over especially once we get to like october november time frame when all these other sports are over the nfl is just going to crush i mean the 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 only other thing that i'll add in here that that should be stated is that alan lazard is quote the overwhelming favorite to be the number two receiver opposite Devontae adams so I mean, I, I think we gotta we gotta drop that in there. The shiniest of all turds, I guess. So yeah, it's shiny. I'll pick it up. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll be tricked. Speak, speaking of Devonte Adams, let's, let's have out. a let's, let's let's have us a a throwdown, shall we? Oh, we shall. So tonight we're gonna be throwing down on the uh, the top two receivers that are going in your 2020 drafts, and that is Michael Thomas and Devonte Adams. According to 4for4's ADP, Michael Thomas is wide receiver one, coming off boards of 105, and then Devontae Adams is coming off at wide receiver two of 108. So basically why, why we wanted to do this one is because those are your top two receiver options, right? If if all these running backs are flying off the board and you don't want to, you know, maybe you think it's too early to take Henry or Cook or, you know, you don't want to reach on Mixon or, or someone like Miles Sanders, who we are high on, which, by the way, you can check out all of the other throwdown videos we've done on, across our podcast and on the YouTube channel as well. Seems like you guys are loving the, uh, the Mixon and Sanders throwdown. Maybe that's a choice that you're having to make. But anyway, between Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams, those are the two receivers you're going to be looking at. Uh, Tyreek Hill's going third. You have Julio Jones going as the as the 
fourth receiver off the board. So we we wanted to to kind of get this out of the way to talk about these two receivers. Uh, I'm going to be arguing for one, Michael Thomas. Kev, I'm going to give you the floor. Uh, you are going to be ar- arguing for Devontae Adams. So why are you taking Devontae Adams over Michael Thomas if faced with that decision in drafts? First, before you do, if you could be so kind to please click that like button. It really helps us in our um... – helps youtube see the video and also hit that subscribe button really helps us grow we're really trying to grind this thing out we really appreciate all the support we're getting from everybody uh we're really starting to see positive growth so if you can just hit that subscribe button we'll be forever in your in your uh, in your debt and we promise to win you a championship this year so anyways Devonta adams let's go so this is easy for me right one, listen, Michael Thomas is a beast there is no doubt and Devonta adams and michael thomas are very similar players they both their their fantasy production is tied directly to how many targets they're going to get. If any, if they lose targets, they are certainly and. They are certainly going to lose uh, production, right, in terms of fantasy points. And now you've been, you may say, Kevin, yeah, but that's that's obvious. That happens with every fantasy player. Not so fast, my friend. We have guys like 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 Tyreek Hill who can crush, who was wide receiver two in 2018 on 137 targets, where Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, they, they are typically guys that need 170, 180 targets for them to really maximize their floor or maximize their ceiling, right? Because they are not field stretchers, they are not somebody that's going to have a high yard per av- or yard per target average, and that is that is the problem. However, that is what I love so much about Devontae Adams this year. Devontae Adams currently right now, uh, he averaged hundred or he's averaged one hundred six ten point six targets per game. 30.3 target share, which was third best in the league, was targeted on 29% of his routes, 17.6 fantasy points per game, 82 receptions, 997 yards, five touchdowns, 16 red zone receptions, which was third best. Also led the league with 45% target target rate in the red zone, 12th in yards after the catch, 12 in yards per reception, 66th, which, or which was uh, his 12 point Yards per reception was 66, and he was uh, 2.8 yards per pass route, which was fifth, sixth in fantasy points per pass route. He, they, so the, the positives for him is they've added no competition this offseason. We were all waiting for it. Oh, we were all like, okay, who are they going to draft here in the first round? So many wide receivers. Are they going to take Denzel Mims? Are they, were they going to try to trade up and get like a Jalen Rager? You know, they, they had to pair somebody for Aaron Rodgers because his team was not very far away from a Super Bowl, right? Aaron Rodgers is declining. He's on the backside of his career. They're going to have to add some pieces here so he can finally cook again because right now it was Alan Lazard, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, uh, Geronimo Allison left to the, I believe, the Lions. You know, um, Equinemius St. Brown, who got hurt last year, is still there. Like, it is a hodgepodge group of, of players. So th- we knew that they were going to add a wide receiver. Except for, spoiler uh-huh. alert, uh-huh. they didn't. They, they added fucking, you know, a quarterback, uh, Jordan Love, in the first round, which everybody was like, what are they doing? And then on top of that, they come back and had A.J. Dillon in the second round. Hold, hold my beer. Watch this. Yes, which was fucking awful. And so now, Devontae Adams is in line for, book it, as long as he stays healthy, 180 targets. Could go more. Could go more. He is the only target that Aaron Rodgers has. He doesn't really have a tight end. Jay Sternberger, was, we kind of like, as maybe a late-round guy, but not somebody that I'm, I'm anticipating to have a huge role. Aaron Jones is certainly going to get targets out of the backfield, but Devontae Adams is going to get peppered with target. And so for me, I think he certainly can maintain that 30% target share that he saw last year. I have questions about Michael Thomas. Obviously, he was the wide receiver one last year. He's going to have some regression. I'm not calling for a ton, but he's going to have a little bit. They did. We get Alvin 
Kamara back completely healthy this year, which he was hurt most of all of last year, which is really what hurt his production. He's he's super involved in the passing game. Um, I think you know they added Emmanuel Sanders as well, which I think could take a little bit away from his his pie. I, I'm not calling for some massive drop off in targets. I think he probably ends up somewhere maybe 150, 160 range. That's still fantastic. But if I'm taking and I'm wanting to just plant my flag on a player that I feel 100% confident in is going to be Devonte Adams or probably Tyree Kill for me were the, the two guys that I would really want. Um, but Devonte Adams is is just a slam dunk. There's just no way that I can see it. He has the seventh most PPR points per game since 2000. 14. He's only uh, only four receivers last year saw 20% of their team's total targets and over 90% of their games. The list was Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Allen Robinson, and then obviously Devontae Adams. He was he also ran the fourth, uh, he was also fourth in slot yards per route run. So there's so many things here to like about Devontae Adams' uh, profile. So that's what I love about so much about him. And that's pretty much all I got. So with I, I can't even say anything disparaging about Devontae Adams because if if I end up with him as like the my consolation prize, so to speak, you know, and I, I don't get Michael Thomas, like I'm fine with that. But it, between the t- between the two, I'm taking Michael Thomas eight times out of ten. Honestly, I mean, you're you're looking at a guy who. So the the thing with Devontae Adams is he needs those targets. You were talking about you know guys who are going to fall off if they go from the the 180 to the to the 140. We've seen Michael Thomas be a top-end wide receiver one with 140 targets. Up until last year, he uh, – like, yeah, last year I think he had like – what it was like 180, 170, something like that. But the two years prior to, he had less than 150. I think he was around like 149 and like 147 those two years. Finished wide, rece- wide receiver seven and wide receiver five those years. His rookie year, he only had 121 targets, and he finished as wide receiver 11. Uh, we saw he was still able to still able to produce without Drew Brees at the helm. Obviously, we want Drew Brees throwing him the ball because he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks we've seen po- possibly ever. So the, if, with the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, that's the only guy that they brought in on the Saints. I mean, I, I guess if you want to talk about Troutman, but I, I, I still think it's going to be Jared Cook running the, the tight end one position this year. I think Troutman's still two, three years out. But with even with the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, you want to bring Michael Thomas's targets back down to like that 140 range. That is completely fine with me because the the, the only thing I think you could say for going against Michael Thomas is the the targets coming down. And we've seen the 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 decline in Drew Brees in terms of his overall passing attempts over the past several years. But in 2018. Drew Brees through less than 500 times, and Michael Thomas still saw nearly 150 targets. I, I don't think they that he throws that few times again this year, especially considering the Saints have the 10th most difficult schedule according to uh, Sharp Football Stats. Which again, you always have to take that with a grain of salt. But maybe we see the the, the targets tick up, and they aren't able to hand the ball off as much as they as they want to in this offense. But Michael Thomas is just going to be – he has one of the highest ceiling and highest floor combinations, which is typically something you don't get in, in with your fantasy players. Normally you have to take away from one of those. You either have the the really high floor with the low ceiling or you have the high ceiling and the, and the low floor. But Michael Thomas give, gives you both. He is one of the safest first-round picks I, I think you can make. Um, I mean, if, if you look at his – 
his four-year average in terms of what he's done production-wise. It's just it's it's absolutely ridiculous. You're looking at 117 catches, almost 1,400 yards, and eight touchdowns, just as an average over four years. And nothing really blew up for him up until this year. He's just been super steady. And like I said, I, it's it's nothing really against Devontae Adams because if I end up you know having to take him as my as my second wide receiver off the board. I'm fine with that, but I definitely want Michael Thomas over Devontae Adams. Like I said, it eight, eight, time, eight times out of ten. Yeah, I don't hate that. And it's like I said, you know, you look at uh, Michael Thomas. He was 70th in yards per reception last year at 11.6. His yards per target was 9.3, which was 21st, which is still not good. Um, and his average target distance was 8.3, which was 89th in the league. So that is the only thing that, that uh, concerns me a little bit. If, Like I said, if he loses any any significant targets, uh, that's going to be a problem. Obviously, his 149 receptions is likely to come down a little bit. He still had 1,700 yards, nine touchdowns on 149 receptions. The dude's still going to be a beast. Uh, he only had nine deep targets, which was 72nd in the league. You know, um, hate that as well. But... Uh, I do think we we probably see a little bit of regression. Not not much. Like I said, if you take if you want to take him as your number one, so be it. Um, I would I would take Devontae Adams. I if I had the one hundred and five, I would not be taking Michael Thomas. I would much rather go running back there, like Doc Cook, who's, who could pro- who probably will be on the board or Alvin Kamara before I wanted to take Michael Thomas. Now, if you know, if, if and if I'm sitting on the board at one hundred eight and one hundred nine, I'd feel much more confident taking Devontae Adams at that point um, than I'm wanting to take a wide receiver at one hundred five. So that's kind of my only complaint. Like I said, I, it's not. It's, I think we're splitting hairs a little bit, but I would prefer if I was sitting on the draft, I would probably always take Devontae Adams over Michael Thomas, just because I think that uh, I think I could project a much higher ceiling in terms of of what I believe his target share is going to be in this offense, because there is literally nobody. The one the one aspect I will say that that is a positive for Michael Thomas is if the fact if something were to happen to Drew Brees. He's got fucking Jameis Winston ready, ready and waiting to be our QB one, and we're all just hyped about having Jameis Winston back in the league. So uh, there is that. But other than that, like I said, I think you can't really go wrong with Devonte Adams or Michael Thomas. But I, I I lean towards Devonte Adams just because I just think there's zero competition. Should easily see 170 targets in this offense. Yeah, you're not going to get me to disagree about that at all. But I, I just think when it comes to, like I said, even if his targets dropped down like that 140 range. We still saw him finish as wide receiver seven and wide receiver five on like that 147 to 149 range. Whenever you have a quarterback like Drew Brees, who's going to complete 70% of his passes and Michael Thomas is going to have like an 86% catch rate like the, that do we want them to be deeper targets? Yes, because that's going to lend itself to, to more fantasy points. But if, if he ends up being a, a compiler of sorts, like your your top end Jarvis Landry almost, like again, if he catches 120 balls for 1,300 yards and you know another eight touchdowns or something like that, like I'm not gonna, you're not gonna hear me complain about that at all. But I, I do believe you wouldn't that be, you wouldn't be upset about that though, because I mean, thinking if he if he finishes to say wide receiver seven or eight, which isn't terrible, he still finishes wide receiver one for you, but you spent 105 draft capital on him, like that's. It's not really what you're looking for. Like he's not making hitting value at that point. He's not killing you necessarily, but he's not giving you what you're what you're necessarily looking for. Because then he drops down. Because I mean, he was 23 fantasy points per game last year, which was elite. Like he was well above everybody else, and that's what made him so elite last year. If he drops down to like wide receiver seven, where he's giving you like 18 fantasy points per week, and then you look at those that running back that's that's there at, at let's say Dalvin Cook or Alvin Kamara, and then 
maybe 21, 22 fantasy points. I mean, that's a three or four point a week difference in terms of uh, at that draft slot, right? And so I think that for me is what is what hurts is what sours me away from Michael Thomas a little bit. Not that I think Michael Thomas is going to have some massive drop off or anything like that, but I do think we do see a regression, and I think it's going to be enough to where at 105, at his current ADP, that I think that makes him somebody that, I, that I'm going to avoid. Like, I'll have zero Michael Thomas. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a that's a different discussion if we want to get into what to do with that 105 slot. You know what I mean? But whenever, whenever we're looking at receivers, like, this is a decision you're going to be making. You're going to be, like, for for the most part, you might you might get a couple who think that you know Julio Jones is going to ball out this year. I mean, we're we're definitely on that train, but maybe not as wide receiver one off the board. But this is mo- more than likely if you are like, all right, I'm not going to, you know, because uh, there, there, there's also a chance that in your home leagues, of, you might be taking your first receiver at like eight overall. You know what I mean? Like the, the, these running backs are just flying off of boards, and that's not going to stop anytime between now and then. The, the 105 spot, you know, we can definitely debate that. But for, for our throwdown purposes, whenever we're looking at Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams, I'm I'm going with Michael Thomas just because if, if Adams doesn't get the double-digit touchdowns that he's had, like there's – which, I mean, obviously well within his range of outcomes. He's had, what, like 10, 12, 13 over the, over the past couple of years. But if he doesn't get those and he's not paired with the efficient – Aaron Rodgers, because like you said, he's been sliding off the past couple of years. That could hurt him as well if he's not getting those touchdowns to go along with all those uh, all those targets. Uh, I mean, true. I mean, it should be said that Devontae Adams was also hurt last year, only played in 12 games. Um, the year before, he played in 15 games where he had 13 touchdowns, four, almost 1,400 yards, 111 touchdowns. That year, I think. Yeah, and 21.8 fantasy points per game, yeah, which was first in the league. So, um, And he did that off of uh, 169 targets. So, But he, he's much more similar. Uh, not as bad, at least, as what Michael Thomas was. That's what, you know, kind of the joke about Michael Thomas is, is he's just a slant guy. Just, he just runs slants the entire game. In 2018, Devontae Adams was 12.5 yards per reception, which was 62nd, which is still not good. 8.2 yards per target, which was 46th in that uh, that same year, and he had 11.7 average target distance, which was 51st. So these guys are very similar. Neither one of them uh, are you know get a lot of deep targets, and 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 that's an issue because they're they're not somebody that's going to be able. They have to get the volume. If they do not get the volume, it is going to kill them or not kill them. But they're you're that's when you're going to have much less. They're always going to be safe. Their floor is always going to be fine. But th- that that top end, high end ceiling, especially if you're taking them in the first round, because that's kind of what you're looking for. Because there's going to be multiple running backs that, that give you over 20 fantasy points per game. And if one of if these guys drop off, and let's say if wide receiver seven or eight, nine, that they're still a wide receiver one, but they're not getting that that top end value that you're looking for because now you're passing on that running back that you could have had there. Let's say Miles Sanders, who finishes the top three running back, gets you 22, 23 fantasy points per game. And then you know you're you're not happy about that because you passed on you know somebody like that versus taking him. So both these guys are very similar in terms of they need targets. If they do not get their targets, uh, we are in trouble compared to a guy like Julio Jones or Tyree Kill who live off uber efficient. Obviously, Julio Jones gets far more uh, target volume than what Ty- Tyree Kill does. Maybe we should do a Tyree Kill versus Julio Jones debate because I think that would be an interesting one as well. But with that, that's pretty much all I got. 
That's all I have as well, man. We we appreciate you guys listening in. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube again, please uh, please hit that subscribe button. If you are listening across whatever platform you are listening to on your podcast platforms, subscribe on there. Reach out to us on Twitter, on Instagram. We we are basically everywhere. We are trying to go wherever you guys are to make to make your content life easier. We're just trying to trying to go where you are. That way you don't have to go to 18 different spots. You can get it wherever you're at, scrolling through your feed. So we appreciate all the feedback. Like, subscribe, do all that stuff. You know, Reach out to us on Twitter. Let's get some conversation going. Let us know if there's a, a throwdown you want to see us do. And then most importantly, uh, at Kev at FantasyRap13. Let him know why he is wrong. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah.